All right, well, welcome everyone back to One as we seek to pray as one heart and one mind as our diocese of Homa Thibodeau um, walking with the Lord on his passion. Of course, as we approach the coming actual celebration of his passion in the Paschal Triduum. Um, And yesterday we prayed what we called probably the most profound mystery of a Christian claim, which is the death of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, the 12th station. So today we're going to be approaching station number 13, which is the body of Jesus is taken down from the cross. So we're going to be praying again with John chapter 19, like we were yesterday, going on to um, further verses of the breaking of the legs and the reality that they had to take the body down. Um yeah, and, and actually the piercing of the side with the lance. And then we're going to be praying with Psalm chapter 55 for uh, for our psalm prayer, realizing that we're actually putting ourselves now in the place of Mary, who's going to be praying it since the son has now died and Mary's going to be the one really actually praying this psalm. And so, um, yeah, I just want to draw our attention to a few things to sort of frame the station is that it would have been normal for them to actually leave the bodies hanging on the cross for a period of time mostly to be a sign for people to remember this is what's going to happen uh, for for any uh, thing that the penalty is of of which is death and so they actually had to request that the bodies be taken down early because of the nature of the Passover um, and we also have to I think realize in the the breaking of the legs of the two criminals brings this uh, up to the forefront that the reality of the suffering that goes on during a crucifixion is that people generally died because of asphyxiation, because of suffocation, because they couldn't uh, breathe any longer, is that the nature of having their uh, feet nailed and their and their hands nailed and the physical suffering that would have gone on is they slowly die because of suffocation. And those who didn't die yet because of suffocation, they would just break their legs so they could no longer push their body up to take future breaths. And so extreme suffering going on for the two criminals that are going on at this point actually in the background and extreme suffering that normally would have happened for those who are crucified. But we've encountered the reality that Christ died yesterday. And so we're approaching the mystery of his actually being taken down from the cross. And the interesting nature that is significant for salvation history that his body was actually taken down on the cross and actually preserved, which we'll see in its fullness tomorrow when he's actually buried. Um, but I just draw our, our um, uh, focus to the fact that his legs weren't broken, right? He, he had already died, and the, and the soldier realizes this and therefore foregoes his actual breaking of his legs, and that's only um, significant because it's the fulfillment of the line we'll pray last here in John chapter 19, where John tells us, for these things took place that the scripture might be fulfilled. Again, the fulfillment of the scriptures that not a bone of him shall be broken. And that's significant because we saw yesterday how Jesus um, concludes the Passover on his cross, you know, and he actually becomes a sacrificial lamb. And one of the requirements of the lamb at Passover was that it would not have any broken bones. It would be an actual unblemished lamb. And so we see Jesus as, again, showing himself to be the Passover lamb um, that actually takes away the sins of the world when all previous Passover lambs just signified or they're symbolic for the actual taking away of sins that had to be fulfilled someday. And so I just call that to our attention so we know why his legs weren't broken and why there was even a prophecy that not a bone of him should be broken for our prayer here today. 
Um, and then we see also another element of something we saw yesterday. Yesterday we saw the fulfillment of him as the lamb of the Passover, but also the bridegroom giving life, giving himself for his bride, which is the church, as he says, it is consummated. And today we're going to see instead of breaking his legs, the soldier pierces his side with a lance out of which flow blood and water. And that draws us back to the last time a bride came out of the ribs or out of the side of a bridegroom of a husband when the very first man, Adam, was put to sleep and from his rib came his first bride, Eve. And so we're seeing further evidence that from the side of a bridegroom who has fallen asleep in the Lord, who has gone to his death, um, out, out of his side comes is born his bride, is born the church. And so really, traditionally, we see that the crucifixion is is the true birthday of the church. A lot of times we call Pentecost the birthday of the church, which it is the first time the church is empowered with the Holy Spirit to go out to the nations. But the church is really born from the side on Christ's cross as his bride. Um, and there's many early church fathers and theologians who see the blood and the water flowing from his side as really symbolizing the sacraments of baptism and the Eucharist, which give life to the church, which actually form the church. And so now that we've been talking about for 14 days, almost 14 days now, the reality of his sacred pierced heart and wanting to have hearts like Mary's, which were sorrowful or willing to be pierced with his or willing to be mourning with his. Now we fully see the reality of the pierced sacred heart and invite ourselves to have hearts that are willing to be pierced with it as well. Yes. And the Stabat Mater brings us there too. I think it says through her heart, his sorrow sharing all his bitter anguish bearing. Um, and I just imagine like the moment that Mary receives like Jesus's body in her arms, um, like feeling the weight of the sorrow and grief as well in that moment, right? So she's she's physically holding him close now. She's got his beaten body in her arms. And I, I just imagine that she just also feels like the sorrow and the grief in a very tangible way in that moment as well, like represented all that sorrow that she also is holding. And, you know, we're asked to consider as we pray this station later um, to consider Mary, you know, holding Jesus and um, just something so beautiful about him in her arms and that while she was united to him in his suffering all along, like in her heart, like it says through her heart, his heart, his sorrow sharing, um, something striking about the image of their physical closeness here as she holds his body, mm -hmm. very much experiencing the weight of all that. Um, yeah, and just holding her as she would have held him, you know, in Bethlehem or in Nazareth. Right. And yeah, I think we just see so clearly both of their pierced hearts in that moment. His yeah. pierced by the sword and hers pierced by the sorrow. By the sorrow, yeah. And um, what you just said of holding him like she would have held him in Bethlehem or Nazareth is there's this line, when Jesus was an infant, Mary would have held him close and rocked him to sleep. Now let us contemplate Mary praying this Psalm 55 as she rocks him back and forth, holding the body of her son in his arms. And again, I love how as we get to the... Uh, 
as we approach like actually praying the psalm, as you did yesterday, you're drawing us back to like considering the humanity there. And there's beauty in the fact that on the cross, he becomes lamb, he becomes bridegroom, he reveals himself as fulfillment of scriptures. But the prayer consistently invites us back to praying through the raw nature of what's happening in a very human way here with the memory of a mother who would have rocked her son to sleep in Bethlehem and Nazareth is now uh, holding his his dead body, um, and that's a that's a sculpture we see all the time. The Pieta, Michelangelo's Pieta, where Mary is holding the body of her dead son, and considering the raw nature of the humanity, um, realizing that again we're invited to take Mary's place as she prays the Psalm here and and rocking, like she rocked baby Jesus. Yeah, and I think you know there's something about the vulnerability of a baby um, where they you know as you hold a baby as we're drawn back to consider her rocking him as a baby, they, they can't do anything for themselves. Right. And so in the beginning of his life, Mary would have had to provided for Jesus's every need. Um, and there's just something so beautiful, like again, now here as he can't do anything for himself, but picturing her at the end of his life, rocking his lifeless body again, Mm -hmm. and just imagining, um, yeah, the unimaginable grief and suffering of Mary in that moment, um, how helpless she must feel in that moment. But seeing her in the psalm, like begging God to save her, begging God to be with her, um, to see her trusting mm-hmm. in the psalm. Um, and, you know, we see her here like we've seen with Jesus so oftenly in the, um, so frequently in the previous stations, bringing all things to God. And in this moment, um, again, she turns her eyes to God in a way that doesn't deny the anguish that she's in right now, but invites God to be in it with her. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, just really begs God to be in it with her and okay. to console her. Yeah. And so as we approach this actual prayer, John chapter 19, Psalm chapter 55. Again, we're seeing some uh, very mysterious and fulfilling things happen when his legs aren't broken, becomes the full sacrificial victim who inherits us. He's becoming the full bridegroom, giving life to his bride, the church, and through the sacraments of the blood and the water pouring out from his side. But really, as we finally get to praying Psalm 55, considering Mary's place of of now, just as she would have rocked him to sleep, now holding the lifeless body of her son, and really considering the raw humanity that's happening at that moment um, prior to his actual burial. So... Let's pray the 13th station together. The body of Jesus is taken down from the cross. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. We adore you, O Christ, and we bless you. Because by your holy cross you have redeemed the world. Since it was the day of preparation, in order to prevent the bodies from remaining on the cross on the Sabbath, for that Sabbath day was a high day, the Jews asked Pilate that their legs might be broken and that they might be taken away. So the soldiers came and broke the legs of the first and of the other who had been crucified with him. But when they came to Jesus and saw that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. But one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear, and at once there came out blood and water. For these things took place that the scripture might be fulfilled. Not a bone of him shall be broken." 
When Jesus was an infant, Mary would have held him close and rocked him to sleep. Let us contemplate Mary praying Psalm 55 as she rocks back and forth, holding the body of her son in her arms. Give ear to my prayer, O God, and hide not yourself from my supplication. My heart is in anguish within me. The terrors of death have fallen upon me. But I will call upon God, and the Lord will save me. He will deliver my soul in safety from the battle that I wage. For many are arrayed against me, but I will trust in you. Through her heart his sorrow sharing, all his bitter anguish bearing, now at length the sword has passed. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.